Song is on my bed on SFM. Song is on my bed on SFM. Wendy, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for inviting us tonight. Mm, the game has changed. No students, no restaurants, different ball game altogether than this time, even four months ago, yeah? Absolutely. You know, the effects of corona on the industry and the ripple effects it's had on many other parts of the industry has just been paramount. I mean, it's crippled the supply chain has crippled the students, it's crippled the staff that work in the business, it's crippled um, businesses, and it's completely decimated as a result of the inability to open the industry as well as COVID and the pandemic that has affected the industry. Now, with the intermittent communication, schools are opening, schools are not opening, and of course I'm saying schools, but I'm really talking about universities and even the regulations that pertain to the opening, it just offers very little comfort. In fact, there's speculation that as much as one in three restaurants will be closing permanently as a result of what COVID-19 pandemic and the effect of the lockdown in this country has done. Is that true? How much are your guesstimations saying? Um, I'm not one to really speculate. For me, I'm quite opportunistic to get as many restaurants back on their feet as possible and to mobilize the industry and look at a recovery plan to try and open some of those restaurants that have imminently closed immediately by finding support funding either international or local. We've got a lot of iconic restaurants around South Africa that are key and pertinent to attractions for tourism destinations, both local and international. And they've been such a part of landscape in South Africa and both in Cape Town and Joburg and KZN. And it's important, you know, to try and build 22 years of a business back on its feet mm. is a whole nother lifetime. And if it's purely a financial element and there is a avenue for us to look for those resources, both locally or internationally, then that should be the first indication for us to try and reopen those restaurants, particularly on the tourist belt. Let's talk more extensively about the resuscitation plan because they're just the loss of facility with restaurants not being open. Restaurants are a social space where people come and meet. Business persons enjoy that environment because many a business deal are signed there. Many businesses are rescued because of what food and drink can do. That's where people meet. It breaks down so many social barriers because it becomes a melting plot of all cultures. I mean, think of what the farmer's market does here or neighbor goods for young people in particular around Johannesburg. And there are many such spaces the country over. Let's talk about the fact that the restaurant environment itself is absolutely, and this is more specific to the conversation, to students who supplement their resources because from home they don't take much out. So when you talk about a resuscitation plan, do you want to spend a bit of time in taking us and walking us through that process? The most important element right now is to get the restaurants open. And every day that we leave the industry in closure means another restaurant falls prey to the fatality of the industry. Um, Having said that, you know, we need government now to really take a stance and to prove that they do have a concern for the industry and the people that work in the industry. Because to go on like this days in and days out, after an announcement has been made and we haven't had any verification on on, on the date or timing or the protocols, um, leaves a lot of people in a state of uncertainty. And it's been months of this uncertainty and months of a lot of people just in a very decimated place. In terms of recovery, recovery can only happen once we really have the protocols and understand 
how many restaurants have closed. We're busy accumulating that data as we speak. And it's a very sad time for me to be collecting this data. They are just lists and lists of restaurants that are being reported into the association on a daily basis of closures. And restaurants that are being part of South African heritage and communities and neighborhoods and towns and cities for many, many years have been reported closed. Mm. Um, and with that, you're absolutely right. I mean, it puts a huge pressure on employment. And employment is non-discriminatory for everybody who works within our restaurant sector, right through from the kitchen staff, the wait staff, the front of house staff, students, entertainment, and it's goes through to other suppliers, you know, your small suppliers, your medium suppliers, your large suppliers, from people who bake bread and patisseries and cakes and other people who make our biscuits and the cookies and other people who obviously supply bigger products and um, bigger beverages and things like that into the industry. So you can see the ripple effect Absolutely. crippled everybody. And the mobilization and moving back needs to one, the industry needs to reopen. And we need to then have further engagements with one, the insurance companies, which now are looking promising and certain insurance companies are certainly coming to the party which allows restaurants to have some cash flow to look at elements to transform their businesses into a better financial structure in terms of moving forward. We need to have conversations with the landlords and they really need to understand their role and position that they need to um, take responsibility in, in a joint effort, in a collaboration with the industry in resuscitating those businesses and keeping them alive. Third conversation is obviously very important is with the financial institutions to do away with credit scoring, that we can move into a place of equality where there is funding available for restaurants to be able to rebuild their businesses and get their doors open and to to do what they need to do in terms of the transformation again into a new financial model. Um, after that, we've got to have discussions with the supply chain, ongoing discussions with the talent retention. I mean, we've got a lot of beautiful people who've been trained and that are super efficient and that I've got the highest service levels. And we need to look at smart ways that we don't bring technology into our restaurant sector, that we disseminate more jobs. We need to keep people employed. We're a people business. Mm. We're about food and entertainment and socialization. You know, we are the business boardroom. We are the meeting room. We are your first date. We are your anniversary. We are your birthday. Uh, Um, uh We are every occasion. Now... When you say all of these things, particularly the supply chain, not just the restaurant, but those who are reliant on the restaurant. I mean, Kailicha Cookies, for instance. Here's a community that was providing cookies. You mentioned the word cookies. I'll use it too. To the hotel <laughs> chains of the Western Cape. Now, you cut out the places to which they supply. Suddenly now as well, they don't have people to whom to supply. So it's not just, as you correctly say, the restaurant into which I walk, but it's everybody who contributes to the space that I enjoy all of this. And, of course, and we're talking about the, the ripple effect that you spoke to. Do, do you want to just share some of the statistics which perhaps don't come ordinarily to one when we say restaurant, but once you start breaking it down like you did, once you start talking about Kailicha cookies in Kailicha, sending out their cookies every morning fresh, or you get them with your tea and biscuits when you check in, suddenly that provider is not there. The local um, suppliers of your home brews and your 
ginger beers that find themselves in the restaurant's close proximity to where that supply is. Suddenly now those persons have got their challenges simply because to whom they supply, they are locked down. Whilst they can produce and do their kind of work, they've got nobody to sell it to because the restaurant sector itself is closed. Absolutely. I mean, the list is endless. You know, we we look at um, the dry cleaners that do the linen and the tablecloths and the serviettes. We look at people that uh, are entertainment in the industry. We look at transportation. We look at the delivery services. We look at people that are doing craft beers and bespoke products. We look at source manufacturers. We look at the um, table talkers. We look at marketing companies. The list is just endless. So, you know, whilst we say we directly employ an anticipated 800,000 staff that work in the front of house and back of house, I think we can quite easily almost add on another 30 or 40% of added-on community services that certainly do make bespoke products, candles and tablecloths and crockery and cutlery and all those elements. You know, if you look at the experiential restaurants that bring these um, items into their restaurants, Let's talk about Hatfield, Melville, Rondebosch, New Street in Gramstown. Let's talk about Summer Strand in Port Elizabeth. These places live or die with the presence of students and the nightlife. Not just restaurants, of course, but restaurants in the main, the clubs. Students own these places. They create these memories. They are the lifeblood of society's neighborhoods. Young people go there, manned by students all over the place, selling this stuff, serving you there, providing entertainment. How do we get back to that? What is the plan from Rasa? Absolutely the cold face of the business. And we're hoping that, you know, with the staff that are working that are very innovative in the front of house, that we come up with intelligent and creative solutions. You know, for us, the last three months has really been about bringing and saving the restaurant industry and bringing the restaurant industry into survival mode that we can certainly move forward into looking at creative ways to remodeling the business. You know, it's, it's, it's not as simple as just transforming the space where you're in a crisis mode. When we've got over 700,000 people that are directly employed sitting on unemployment, We've got casual staff that cannot collect UIS because they are unemployed. They are, they are unpaid layoffs. You know, so, so we look at the critical aspect of it and we need to bring our waiters back to work. The, the industry has been um, completely transformed with the, the e-commerce services where we rely on a number of people to do delivery services. So there's an element where we might able to incorporate a lot of those students into the delivery services. But these are discussions that we will certainly be taking place when we call on webinars and we call on ways of rebuilding and revisiting the workforce once we've got the restaurants open. And they're critical conversations to have with every person in every part of the industry. Now, on the remodeling, we're looking at things of being innovative to um, increase the basket spend. So we're in discussions at the moment with Mm. suppliers and um, local suppliers, etc., to be able to do gourmet goods, as we call it, within the restaurants. So whether you can collect your bouquet of flowers or you can collect your handmade chocolates or your locally produced coffee beans and you can have a little wine bar in it and you're able to purchase some of your alcohol in it, all these are innovative ideas that we need to concurrently have with commerce to ensure that those on-con and off-con licenses can stay, that there's sufficient production licenses, 
that we can certainly sell the value-added frozen meal for the week after people have come into the restaurant. We also have to look at, you know, what is the damage that's done to the amount of livelihoods and the affordability ratio that mm-hmm. is left for the consumer to be able to afford to eat out. We've got to get smarter with the menus. We've got to cut down on the, the cost of food items. We've got to rely on food suppliers not to bring products that is too expensive for us to be able to do production lines and menu production that is outrageously expensive for people to be able to eat in our businesses. And these are all the various levels of conversation that we're moving forward in rebuilding and resuscitating the industry. Pop-up restaurants pose equally a challenge to you because at least they can go to somebody's home. In fact, there's this concept even of somebody having a menu that is available. You pick that menu and that person comes with one's ingredients and sells not just the food, but the experience of having somebody else in your own home and kitchen using your utensils preparing a meal for you. And, of course, that entire exchange, commercial transaction anyway, is more expensive than it would ordinarily if I just decided to go to the restaurant. But it seems to be getting a traction. What is attractive about that that is clearly something the Restaurant Association of South Africa has to be alive to? Absolutely. You know, we've seen it. We've seen the pop-up restaurants. We've seen a, a huge amount of increase in food truck demand. We've seen chefs in tuk-tuks going to do bespoke cooking at people's homes. We've seen restaurants transforming their parking lots into roadhouses. We're seeing experiential dining taking place of um, bringing the experience to your home. Um, lockdown has brought a whole array of different experiences that food is, is, is brought to your door. But the sustainability of that and the longevity of that, will that be able to survive when lockdown is unlocked? And these are certain pertinent parts that we need to look at and have great discussions in terms of what is the viability and the sustainability of transformation of what new concepts are. You know, at the end of the day, what we do know about consumer behaviors, restaurants are certainly a place that they want to come to that is comfortable, that they have the experience that there is beautiful food that's been served and people are a sense people are interested in the sensory experiences. They want to see, feel, taste, touch, hear and be involved in the food experience, the food drink experience of what a restaurant has to offer. You know, we don't want to dissect the clinical part of eating in a restaurant. That is not what food is about. And I think evidence has shown us in South Africa that people and the consumer are keen to get restaurants reopened. We want to sit in the sun. We want to be out on the deck because we want to go back to restaurants in Camps Bay with beautiful views. We want to be able to go into the country and enjoy fireplaces and, and experiences. And there's a huge and massive demand still from the consumer to reopen the restaurants under those circumstances. We're going to see, I think, a lot of picnics and picnic baskets are going to become very promising within the industry. Um, a lot of build-your-own meals. We've seen that... Uh, there's been a lot of uh, sort of um, type of your own cooking. So we'll, they provide the menu and they provide the ingredients and you cook at home. But people want to return to restaurants. You know, they, they've done cooking now for 15 weeks. They want to go and spoil their families in a restaurant. They want to spoil their partners in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. They want to experience. And there is something really magical about eating in a restaurant. You cannot prepare food at home the way it's being prepared in a restaurant. Let's talk about students, because this is about students. We know, we know 
Some have not been paid. Some are being given the runaround, go to UIF. Some have claimed this tours. It hasn't gone to where it belongs. Students have been left destitute. A lot of them are not even full-time employees, and those who are full-time employees are as vulnerable as those who are not full-time employees. There's a lot of frustration everywhere, that I accept. The most vulnerable person in this entire enterprise is that waiter and waitress. A word to them? Absolutely, you know, and uh, soon the, the industry will be able to bring their beautiful people back to work. And I know it's been a very long 15 weeks, and we certainly sat at the cold face with the departments, the UIF and TERS, on an ongoing daily basis. We've got an entire task team. And from our side to the UIF and to the department, it's unacceptable 15 weeks into it that they haven't got proper structures and systems that have alleviated all the manual processing that they've needed to go and not dispense proper payment. And Tanya's payments are to people whose livelihoods belong on it. And it certainly has affected all the vulnerable people on the front line. And we are not going to stop at any turn of the association for every single payment on the terms and UIF is met by the department. They have a responsibility to pay money over that is being collected on behalf of the employees. And the employees are entitled to claim their money timelessly. So we have been putting on a huge amount of pressure. We have seen um, a result from the department in terms of expediting and ensuring that the challenges that in the restaurant sector is met favorably with the task team. And we'll continue to ensure that those payments come through. Final question. In relation to the Culture, Art, Tourism, Hospitality, Sports Sector, Education, Training Authority, otherwise CAT Center, I mean, conversations there for the purposes of making sure at least those in the internship space are getting the necessary protections. Final question. COVID-19 has brought a lot of learning to the industry. It's highlighted a lot of areas where there hasn't been complete preparedness or readiness. It has also highlighted a huge amount of gaps that we can fill. It's shown us on um, areas of articulation that can lend itself to massive improvement. It's shown us the inability in the informal sector for them to have been um, discriminated from being able to have um, access to funding and to the tour system and to UIF. So it's been a, a very valuable time for us as an industry to collectively obtain all this information from various parts in terms of training and sure. mobilization, especially in the front end of the staff. And I think that there's a lot of conversation that's going to move forward again that we have had with, with government in the past few years in terms of formalizing a waiter, barman, and barista qualification, that it is a trade qualification and a job that has massive respect and credibility, and that there's a responsibility that rests for Finally. that job to be moved forward as you would with everything else, that they are properly and credibly accounted for with payments that are made timelessly for UIF, etc and for benefits that belong to the staff that work in in those spaces. Excellent. Wendy Alberts, CEO of the Restaurant Association of South Africa, to you. Thanks for your time. And everybody else who was listening, I say the same too. 2130.